0: So in this resource podcast, we're uh, sitting down with Matthew David Morris, who's a student in ILIF's MDiv program. Yes. Um, You are in year two.
1: Yes. Year two starts in fall of 2017.
0: Okay. And uh, yeah. And you've been here over the summer. Um, Yeah, which
1: is abnormal for me. I'm a journey MDiv student, which means I do a lot of my work from home in Oregon, but I've been here for a two-week Intensive with Dr. Hernandez, and so i've been you know in the library every day.
0: I know it's been great to have you on campus oh thanks um, so, it's been good to be here um, and uh, you've been helpful to me in some other ways too with some other students so uh, um, Matthew's a great guy to have around so what we want to talk about here was your experience and your approach to utilizing social media to do some fundraising and I'll let you kind of frame why you did that i I do want to say that your social media following is Probably larger than what other people will have and I'll let you talk about why that is um, but I know that uh, in your head you've already kind of framed a narrative you'd like to share with us so
1: go ahead sure well I uh, do have a very large social media following which is uh, due in part well I guess in large part to uh, the work I've done publicly uh, in music for most of my career I put out a record in 2010 under my sort of shorter name Matt Morris and um, have been involved in entertainment in some capacity for most of my life. And, and so the, the large numbers of followers on my Twitter and on my, my Facebook page, which total I think between the two, somewhere close to 45,000 people um, is, is a lot. And it actually is, is <laughs> it, it would not have been uh, made possible at all without the work of a lot of teams of people to help uh, build that over time. Um, promotional events, um, tours, PR tours. Um, So there was an investment of time and money into into building that audience, which was a part of of the work that I was doing. So I brought that into the fundraising work that I did in ILIF, but I think it's important to to recognize that the work um, of fundraising, even in social media, is less about numbers, from my experience, and more about relationships. The the responses that I've received in my fundraising for ILIF have been from people that I know or from people in, on social media who have felt a direct connection to me and who I have uh, built some kind of relationship with. So it's a tiny, tiny percentage of that 45 some thousand uh, number who have actually donated. So the numbers are, are really not the, the thing.
0: Yeah, and I think that's important because uh, the majority of people, well, no one who listens to this podcast from the ILUC community is going to have that many followers. But again, the focus on relationship with uh, those who actually gave and the way that you utilize social media to reach out to them is going to be uh, kind of the critical concept here. So Indeed, so.
1: I think the idea of how you initiate relationship on social media is something that's worth consideration for people, for students and for faculty at ILF. What does it mean to build relationship in digital spaces? What does it mean to use social media to create and facilitate relationship? Um, Some of this uh, has to do with thinking of uh, your following on social media as both a collection of individuals and an audience, and you kind of have to think of them in sort of multimodal ways. Um, It's helpful for me, as someone who cultivated audience in entertainment, to, to bring in certain aspects of media into the social media, like video or audio or regular engagement um, in a way that may be a un, uh, un, natural feeling initially for people in the academy, because that feels a little bit like self-promotion and it kind of is self-promotion. Um, there's a question of, of, of the, the style um, and the, um, the artfulness of how you do that, um, which I think is, is worth spending time with. Um, you don't want to be a smarmy person in general. And so you don't want to be smarmy on social media. You need to be considerate of, of, of the way that you present what you're doing. I think people like to connect to people uh, from the heart. Uh, so if you create a video, for example, which has been a technique that I've used uh, in all of my fundraising, um, a simple video on an iPhone or a laptop uh, camera um, that is not high... I mean, I'm, I'm not making hi-fi production videos. Um, but what I am doing... Is communicating to people why I care about being here, what I'm doing. This is a pretty big transition in my life um, from moving toward a life out publicly in, the, in, the, in music to, uh, to a life in ministry and, and academic work. What is that? That's such a huge shift. And so, if I'm going to ask people to support that, um, I need to tell them a little bit about what that means and, and to why that might be meaningful for them. And, and, and the people who know me, uh, who care about me, who cared about me before I started doing this. Will know how to care about me in this different way, um, so i think I think it's a narrative that you have to build. You have to basically tell people the story. you have to be a storyteller on social media um, not a not a brand there's a difference I think between uh, brands who pitch and sell themselves and people who tell their stories in ways that might be compelling to the people who already know them. Does that make sense
0: It does make sense and um and In crafting that narrative, something that when we're uh, doing, when I'm doing the coaching conversations with students around here for the matching scholarship program for their fundraising attempts there, one of the things that I share with them is that you are going to need to be able to share your call with those um, who are potentially going to be supporting you and offering them the opportunity to invest in your becoming equipped to answer that call at the same time in many cases you'll have to help them understand what a call is because you're stepping frequently particularly for older students but even for younger ones you're stepping out of some kind of successful life already and you're stepping into this really uncertain future of ministry of answering the call Mm. um and and sometimes you have to help people understand what that's about and even though it's nebulous and vague it is something that you are feeling pretty certainly typically that you need to go do this that that god has placed something in you or on you that you're you're beginning to answer this this invitation Hmm. and um you're probably one of the more extreme examples of that um coming from (laughs) um a career you know in songwriting and performing and Mm -hmm. um but But there are so many examples around here that for the individuals are pretty extreme, too.
1: Yeah, I think it probably feels extreme for everybody. Yeah, yeah.
0: So the videos have worked for you.
1: The videos have worked, and I find that the videos that... You can can shoot a video um, that explains very sort of um, to the word, like reading off a script, basically, of what you're doing. And I don't think that that will be successful. Yeah. Um, I... I am a part of the Episcopal tradition, but there's a part of me that's a little Pentecostal. And so I think, and I don't know why, <laughs> the Episcopalians couldn't explain it to you. <laughs> but there is, and I'm, what I mean by that, pneumatologically, Dr. Hernandez will appreciate me saying, um, is that I feel like you have to connect to the spirit hmm. in a way. And, and I think you have to speak in your own language. And you have to also speak in a language that your people will understand. And so, for some people, your people will understand this language of call. Um, and if they don't, if the people that you're reaching out to in your video for fundraising don't understand the language of call, what is their language? Um, because it needing to be the language of call or it needing to be church oriented language may or may not be relevant mm-hmm. in the work that you're doing in fundraising. If what your goal is is to receive the support that you need, um, if you think of this as a a kind of uh, uh, evangelizing effort to get everyone in, a, in an evangelizing effort that gets everyone to use the same language, uh, then that, that, that to me seems like not the point, Yeah. right? Yeah. So the question I think when you, fi- you have to figure out is who are your people um, and who are you? Um, and I, now I have enough practice in shooting these videos and I feel comfortable enough in front of the camera. Some people don't feel comfortable in front of the camera. It's going to take practice in setting up a camera, speaking to it as though it was a person talking into that little hole at the top of your computer screen and, and trying to communicate to that, uh, to that, 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 that invisible, what would you think of it? It's almost like a, it's like you're looking into a dark pool of nothing Mm -hmm. and you're having to speak to it as though it is your friend. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that takes practice. Um, But if you can get your imagination into that space, uh, then speaking about why you feel excited, what it is that excites you and and Really and really feeling it when you're talking to the camera. That's been a part of my process So I I had a I had one video. It was a birthday video. Okay, so yes, it's a little opportunistic, but um, But I, but this is actually um, I understand the platforms that I'm working on and I know that um, for my Facebook uh, profile not my page the page is actually a lot less useful these days now that um, Facebook has changed the algorithm and made Made, I cannot reach twenty-two thousand people every time I post on Facebook without dropping a few hundred dollars, and I'm just not going to do that. Right? It used to be that if you had ten thousand people and you posted something, ten thousand people saw it, but that is not Facebook now. Okay, so it's they've monetized it in ways that make it a less useful platform for their pages, even on the the, the way they've changed their algorithms for personal profiles. Um, so, but if I but but I have you know a few hundred people, five six hundred people that are connected to my, my personal profile and they're going to get a notification on my birthday. This was my logic. They're going to see it's Matthew, David Morris's birthday, you know, post. And, and, and so I thought, well, I am going to let them know that I'm doing this campaign today. And, and what I told them was, you know, if you've supported me in the past and you can support with a donation, this would be a really wonderful way of, of, of giving me a gift and supporting what I'm doing with my life in a meaningful way. If, if you do not have the means to do that and you're not in a place to do that, that's fine. And if you could share this message or share this information with someone in your networks, that's great too because maybe they will be compelled by it, right? And, and that's actually a way of utilizing social media. So you have to think of, it's your network um, and it's your, uh, your network's network and all of their various, it's, it, it becomes exponential. And this is why it's, it becomes important to, to communicate a narrative clearly because you may have a friend of your friend on Facebook who is, who is a Methodist, maybe your friend's not, uh, but they're a Methodist, and they love the idea of the work that you're doing at this um, progressive Methodist school, seminary, and because they've shared it, they didn't donate, but because they shared it, your friend goes, you know, I would really love to support that work. I'm so excited about the work they're doing at ILIF, and so I would like to donate $100 to this work because I feel like it's going to help uh, in in help our tradition get through the challenges that we're currently facing. Right. But right. That, that's only possible if they share it, right? So exponentially I knew that this was a strategic piece in some way. That if I posted on my birthday, then at the very least people would share it. And a lot of people gave. I actually raised a fair bit of money on that day. People who already had given to other fundraisers that I did, oh, okay well, now's a great time to do it. Great. You're doing another annual fundraiser? Fantastic today I'll give. Churches do this. Churches have their seasons. They have a season where something is happening. Um they, you know They probably, this is why we don't have our stewardship season around tax time, right? Well, no one's, you're not going to put your stewardship season in April or in March, you know, give it some time, (laughs) let people get over the struggles, you know, so there are pragmatic things that you have to consider when you're fundraising and it is really trying to place yourself in the mind of the people who you're asking. Is it best to ask them for money, um, to ask them to support you, um, the week after they paid all their bills? Probably not. Right. Maybe maybe toward the end of the month or the beginning of the month. Um, when when do people have money? And this is not I want to take it all right. This is I don't want to know when they have money because I want it all. But it's actually an act of consideration and generosity. I I don't want to ask you for something if I know it may be, now may not be a good time. Right, right. Right. Yeah. So that's how I used Facebook. Twitter was less of a um, less of a resource. I found that most of of the, my network on Twitter. Uh, it's just a, such a quicker, more fast-paced. I don't know a lot of the people there. I'm not connected in the same way that I am on Facebook. Right, so, right. and uh, the
0: messaging is much shorter there.
1: It and, is. Yeah. So, and but you, I can get a lot of retweets on something. I mean, yeah, ultimately, true. you yeah, think yeah. about Twitter as a place for you to build. Um, I like I like when you when, when it first launched. The platform was conceived of as a micro-blogging service, right. and no one talks about that anymore, um, because it's it's very it, at this point it's the you know it, it's. People put out press releases basically in their tweets or, know, or or presidential orders yes, yeah, exactly so, right. um, so it, it is it is morphed into something very different and it doesn't have the same um, uh, effect but I think that the way of conceiving of it as a building the long arc of the narrative of what you're doing is a play as I think is still really useful what are the things that you talk about what are the things that are important to you that are happening every day and and that's a part of you can also flesh out what that narrative is through your engagement with that platform. So it could be that that's where you help to figure out your own narrative. And then you decide, well, I'm going to utilize this other social network to uh, to give a more longer form presentation. Um, it, it's so specific to each person. Um, each person has uh, a different level of comfort with these different platforms and uh, a different level of reach with these platforms. Right. You might have, though... You might be someone who has just, uh, a handful of people that, that are friends with you on Facebook, uh, but you have a Rolodex. Maybe you still have a Rolodex, or a.
0: Um, I might have to define what that is for some, of, for our some of the listeners. But, yeah.
1: it's possible that if you have a, yeah. if you're listening to podcast, yeah. you do not have a Rolodex, yes. but you may have an address book, um, and mm-hmm. you may have a contact list in yeah. in your a computer, um, and you may know those people. Who are they? Do they want to hear from you? When have they last heard from you? Um, This is, again, the longer term vision of the fundraising effort is, what are your relationships like? Um, Do you want to send a blind copied email to 200 people? Or do you want to invest the time to write 20 emails Um, or to do a single uh, general um, stock email that you personalize 20 times and connect to people? Hey, just to let you know, how are your kids? You know, Um, how is that project you were working on? I've I've been thinking about you. Um, and I wanted to let you know something that's happening uh, for me. Uh, I'm, I'm doing this fundraising effort. Um, I don't know if, to, if if this is something that you can support, but I wanted you to know this is what's happening in my life. If you can support it financially, I would love that. If you could spread the news about it, here's a link to this thing that can tell other people about it. Uh, it. It is it is a process that requires a lot of attention and, and the care you give to it, um, I think makes a, a tremendous amount of difference in what you can receive from it. You cannot just put up something on the internet and expect it to succeed.
0: Yeah, I appreciate a couple of the points you've made uh, in particular. I, I enjoy everything you've said, but I, I do appreciate. One is that you really are, in a way, you're leveraging off of existing relationships that you have, um, which is yes. good. You're hopefully not doing that specifically for the purpose of getting stuff from them. But as, as you're indicating, in those communications, when you personalize them, they can truly become personal. Yeah, I've been thinking about you. I wonder how you're doing. Yes. I hope that your life, your project, your kids, whatever, are doing well. And let me share what's going on with you here, and perhaps you can help. And um, one, of the, one of the areas that I think folks end up realizing, particularly after they've taken the fundraising course here, is that there's almost a duty to invite people to invest in ministry. That, that is inviting them to invest a resource that is under their control, in something that matters in the world. Mm-hmm. And so we we shouldn't feel horrible about inviting them to do that. It, it's okay, and in fact, it's almost an obligation to ask them, to invite them into this space to help out. The other thing that I really do appreciate and, and really want to emphasize is um, you keep kind of re- reminding us here that it is not just, particularly in social media, and probably very specifically there, It is not just the network of friends you have. Mm -hmm. It is that secondary network that's outside of them. And tertiary and and onward. Yeah, that that there's so much more potential out there. Um, So if you're going to do a social network post like on Facebook, make sure it's shareable.
1: Oh, yeah, make it public.
0: Yeah, make it public so others can This is a public
1: process. That's another thing that people have to then... uh, If you're going to use social media well, you have to do it very publicly. And so if it, you have to be willing to take that step and consider yourself in some ways. I'm a public figure asking for things. Mm. I'm a public figure building relationships. I'm a public figure. Um, and I may not be a public figure the way that the mayor is or the governor is or that people who put out press releases are. But the second you start to use social media to reach to networks that are beyond your immediate family and close groups of friends, you're doing this publicly. And if, you, if you're going into ministry, it's a similar thing. You may think that inside the, the walls of your congregation, of the, your house of worship, your church, uh, whatever it may be, that that's a very private space. But no, 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 no. no! You step yeah. up there in front of people and you are right. communicating something that is, is about your convictions, is about some shared sense of value. And you have to remind people of what that story is every Sunday, every yeah. Saturday, whatever it is. Yeah,
0: Yeah, and certainly one of the big challenges, one of my critiques of the church right now is that so often we end up talking to ourselves and forgetting mm-hmm. that our call as members of this larger body of faith, is to connect with others. So we're hopefully when hopefully when we're preaching in churches or whatever, we are preaching not only to the people who are in the room, but also to the people they're in connection with and mm-hmm. offering a message of hope to them. Um, I mean, I
1: have people in my in the, in the list of donors who have given to my fundraiser this year who are not um, who may may or may not even identify as Christian. Yeah, they're not they're not regular churchgoers. Um, but what I've communicated to them is that I'm doing something here at iLive and I'm doing something with my life that feels like it is the truest and most full vision of what I am, am made to do in my life. Mm-hmm. And part of that is caring for the world. Part of that is, is nurturing my own creative and intellectual gifts and sharing that with others. And now I'm communicating that in ways that are not about reinforcing church identity. Right. We have to move beyond the idea of, of right. doing this for the, the particular um, small church group that we're we think of ourselves belonging to um this isn't an, actually an act of practicing why practicing how do i say this this is an act of practicing our own sense of understanding of why our work is purposeful in the world we have to believe it first mm-hmm. yeah now we have all these we have all these conversations in church about are we relevant anymore? Is church relevant? Is What's going on? Are we post-Christian? What is the Christian church? Is our denomination going to split? Is our denomination growing? Are our churches growing? We have all these like inner crises that we keep talking about. That's the insular conversation that we keep having all the time. Um, the world doesn't care, actually. Outside of the walls, they're not interested with why we're fighting about these things. Because that's actually time spent uh, on things other than caring for everybody. And so we have to step in some ways in our public fundraising into the space of a kind of universalism, not in our theology necessarily, not doctrinally, right? But we have to think universally. We have to think globally. We have to think uh, like everybody, all people, all of God's creation, you know, put the theological language around it that you want. But that connects Uh, because I guarantee you that even the people who are a part of your own tradition have such a different story and narrative that what you think they may be connecting to because you share your, your denominational identity, um, they may have such a radically different connection to money, to giving, to, to work in the world that where you really want to connect with them is in the heart. You want to connect with their heart. And how do you connect with their heart? You, you, you speak from your heart. You tell people, I mean, I'm getting chills just thinking about this, yeah, yeah. you know, and that's what you have to do. And, and so what does that, what does that look like? How do you practice that? You know? I don't know. For everybody, it's different. This is again why I was going back to the idea that there Pentecostals and the spirit. Right. <laughs> the yeah. spirit is here, right? right. You yeah. have to connect that in your body as you're, as you're speaking to people. Tap into that own part of you that's charismatic. You know. And you may not think that you're charismatic. You may not think of yourself as that person. You're, you are an introvert. listening to this podcast. And you think that I have no idea how I'm possibly going to um, let people know why this is meaningful to me. Well, start with that put on your video and say, I am an introvert <laughs> and I, Yeah and I have no idea how to do this, but there is something in my life that's actually uh, exciting and I want to share this with you and I need your support. Humbly ask for that. You know? Yeah.
0: And that authenticity can open up a lot of space for conversation too.
1: Absolutely. So
0: much space for others to say, yeah, I, I, I feel the same way. I have the same challenges. I am also an introvert. Um, I mm-hmm. really am an introvert by the way. And so, um, having those kind of conversations has always been difficult for me. So, mm-hmm. Um, you wouldn't know it from my work around here, but I am a hardcore introvert. So, Matthew David Morris, uh, excellent conversation. Thank you um, so much. Thank you for coming in for this podcast. We may need to sit down and chat again a little more. And uh, there's some, some wonderful pieces of this, that uh, um, some wonderful insights in what you've shared with us today that uh, we may uh, get some feedback on that. We may have to sit down and chat again. I
1: so. would absolutely love that. And if your listeners want to connect with me directly, they can go to MatthewDavidMorris.com. Or they can find me on Twitter. And if they want to ask questions that are public for the world to see, and you just go to at Matt Morris, M-A-T-T-M-O-R-R-I-S. I Um, I would love to connect with you again about this. This has been really nice.
0: Excellent. All right. Thank you for your time today. appreciate it. I'm Tom Barlow. This is a resource podcast. Be sure to look at uh, other podcasts coming out now and soon. Uh, Have a great day.